You're listening to the Complete Human Podcast with me, Evan DeMarco. And me, Jana Breslin. A podcast where we combine our decades of experience as health and wellness experts to educate you on how to bio-optimize your way to becoming a complete human. We are on a mission to inspire the necessary change we need to ensure a thriving existence for all. That's why with every episode, we bring you real science, deeper intelligence, and actionable takeaways in hopes of not only changing the trajectory of your health, but changing the trajectory of the entire human race. Are you ready to become a complete human? Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the Complete Human Podcast with your hosts, Jana Breslin and Evan DeMarco. We are back for another rapid fire edition. And today we are discussing vegans. Vegans and veganism. Vegans it's and veganism. It's a hot topic. It is. It's very controversial. How do you know someone's a vegan? They'll tell you. Exactly. So are we naturally vegan? No. Are we naturally vegans? Like, did we evolve? Before we get into this, because this is rapid fire, what I want to do is remove the ethical element of veganism from this particular topic. We are going to debate that at a certain point. And actually, I know we're slated to have Darren O'Lean on the podcast. And uh, he was on that Netflix show, Down to Earth with Zac Efron. He's a vegan. And I'm really excited to have that conversation with him. I've been following him for a little bit. Seems like a brilliant guy, super cool, um, clearly educated, and I think more importantly, open to having a conversation conversation that's not, you know, pointing fingers or, you know, just shouting at each other, but a real candid conversation about the science. And then obviously there's the ethical element of that. But we're going to leave the ethical element out of this particular conversation and try to deep dive into the science. Before we do that, or as a precursor to that, one of the things that I was shocked at when I was doing research on veganism was this, and I, I had to pull this up. I wanted to read this. This is from PETA.org, uh, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. Oh, I know PETA. <laughs> yes, you know PETA. This actually came from uh, something that was published on their site, January 23rd, 2018. It says, what is the natural human diet? As hu- Are humans natural meat eaters? Quick test. When you see dead animals on the side of the road, are you tempted to stop and snack on them? Do you daydream about killing cows with your bare hands and eating them raw? If you answered no to these questions, then like it or not, you're an herbivore. Then it goes on to say the following points help prove that a natural human diet is in fact vegan and that enslaving animals, stealing their milk and eggs, and killing them simply isn't what nature intended. So because we don't want to go outside in the backyard and kill squirrel, yeah, that means we're vegan. Or take it one step further, or if we see a dead skunk on the side of the road that was hit by a truck <laughs> because we don't want to stop and gnaw on that, that that proves that we are vegan. Now, again, I I don't like to name call and I certainly don't like to mudsling and this is not an ethical thing, but people at PETA are fucking idiots. That does not prove anything and that confirmation bias is so detrimental to the real topic of conversation about health and about evolutionary biology. And what this does not show is that from the anthropological research, humans did evolve as meat eaters. And quite candidly, one of the interesting things is if you look at all the research and, you know, stem back from that book Born to Run to articles that were published in Nature and Science magazine is that our brain pans, our brain size, and summarily our intellectual evolution came on the heels of us eating meat. It wasn't until that mass protein intake that our brains actually grew. So without meat, Al Gore would not have invented the internet. That's a joke for everybody. And then summarily, PETA would not have a platform from which to disseminate this absolutely batshit crazy type of stuff that they're talking about. So PETA, I'm sorry. If you guys want to come on the show and debate science with us, we're happy to have that conversation. But I certainly think that, you know, this is 
incredibly detrimental to the public to say things like that. Like that kind of confirmation bias is horrible. So I invite PETA on the show. We'll sit down over a cheeseburger and debate this. <laughs> cheeseburger. So question, what are the most common health issues people experience when going vegan? Besides have you have you gone vegan before? Have you tried it? For about a week. I did that too a couple years back. I can't do it. No. I can't do it. You know, and, and here's the thing. Like we evolved as not carnivores. But we did evolve as, you know, as a species that, you know, ate both meat and plants and, you know, vegetables. So so there is a place for both of those in the diet. I understand that there are ethical implications. And, and I also understand that, you know, we, we try to come to grips with those. There's an evolution of man that says that that's difficult, but there's also our history that shows that that's what we did. And so right now we're trying to reconcile those two, you know, th- those two pieces. But I, I can't do it. I simply can't do it. I, I like meat. Now, what are some of the medical issues? One of the big things that we find is is that people who eat predominantly vegan or and especially get a lot of their protein sources from that end up with leaky gut syndrome. So legume-induced leaky gut syndrome is a very common thing. Lack of muscle protein synthesis, you know, lack of the ability, you know, so, so meat does have a higher bioavailability of protein that allows for better muscle protein synthesis. Now, does that mean that you can't be a bodybuilder and be a vegan? Absolutely not. But it does require a lot more work. One of the most or one of the biggest things is DHA or EPA. So we know that vegans actually have a higher omega-6 to omega-3 ratio. And, and you're eating a lot of processed things like corn and soybeans and things like that that naturally have higher omega-6. What you're not getting in your diet is EPA and DHA predominantly from like cold water fish. And I know every single vegan out there is saying, well, oh, I take my chia and flaxseed. Well, guess what? That ALA, the omega-3 that comes from vegetarian sources, predominantly chia and flax, only converts in the body at about like six to nine percent. So that means that I have to eat a bucket of chia seeds to, you know, equal what I would get from some salmon. I'd be curious about your opinion on the algae omega that we've seen coming out. You know, algae is a really fascinating uh, platform, right? And obviously being on the omega side of the business for a while, the algae-based EPA has been the holy grail of the market. We know that what we're doing to our resources in the ocean has to stop. We can't continue to fish at the rate that we've been fishing and expect that fish are going to be there, you know, even in 10 years. So algae has really been the promised land. Algae DHA is something that we can create right now. Algae EPA, which is really kind of some of your, you know, that's that's the omega-3 that we really attribute to better cardiovascular health and better inflammatory resolution. We're not quite there yet. I think algae is a great source. So I don't want to diminish that. But if we look at So maybe at it, if you are vegan, do the algae oil instead of the chia flax. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, from a pure dietary perspective, you know, you know, we need to acknowledge that ALA as an omega-3, as an essential fatty acid, does not convert in the body at a, at a rate that makes it an effective omega-3 source for people. So lack of omegas, right? And, and that can lead to all sorts of inflammatory problems. But one of the scariest is B vitamins, especially B12. And, and what we find is in the research, I believe, I, I, I wish I remember the stat, but vegans are seven or eight times more likely to have a stroke. Oh. And that's because they're not getting the B vitamins from meat that, you know, that carnivores or, or omnivores are. So there are some serious potential medical issues associated with being a vegan. Now, the natural response is, well, why don't I just supplement? You should know this is 45 to 55% of the global population suffers from MTHFR mutations, which is an inability to synthesize or to, you know, to, to methylate a folic acid into folate. Which means absorbing B vitamins into the system and actually utilizing them. 
Correct. And there's a methylation process that, you know, that, that happens in the body to do that. Now, if you're just taking a standard B, B vitamin with folic acid and you have that MTHFR mutation and you're not getting meat, there's a high probability that you're not getting enough B12 in your system to prevent that. Mm-hmm. So there are some very real potential negative issues that come with being a vegan. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of people having issues like this, right? And there's a, a large contingent of individuals who are actually going back to eating meat after being vegan. Yeah. Right? And from what from my understanding, actually, Paul Saladino, the carnivore doctor, he was vegan at one point when and now he's full carnivore. Very interesting. So I'm curious about the stats on that. I don't know the stats, but I, I would say that, you know, there's the medical issue and then there's just the happiness quotient. <laughs> and here's how I know that this is a real thing. Here's how I know that people are unhappy being vegans. Beyond Meat and Impossible Burger. If you're happy being a vegan, why in the name of sweet baby Jesus do you need to have a product that tastes and looks like meat? I could also see that they'd probably say, seeing it from their perspective, you know, what if they like meat, but they believe that eating more plant-based is better for the environment. So then they choose to eat something that maybe reminds them or tastes like meat, but they know it's maybe a quote unquote better option for the planet. I'm glad you brought that up, right? Because what we do know is, is that CAFO meat which is caged animal fixed operation meats, you know, is inherently bad for the environment. But grass-fed, grass-finished meat, pasture-raised meat is actually better for the environment than any vegan diet, period. And here's something interesting too. When we look at some of those fake meats, Impossible Burger was one. And I believe in 2018, there was a study that was done. Now, Impossible Burger's predominant input was genetically modified soy that had a level of glyphosate in it that was actually toxic. Mm. So now all of a sudden we've got these vegans who because of monocropping, which is a major environmental problem, it's a massive issue with uh, desertification and climate change, and are now eating something that's genetically modified with high levels of a chemical that we know is causing cancer. So we can talk about the health benefits of of you know these Impossible Burgers and Beyond Meats. We can talk about the supposed health benefits of veganism, but and we can talk about the supposed benefits to the environment. But if you really look at it from the macro lens, none of those hold up to the science. And the science actually dictates that being a vegan is, you know, or veganism is worse for the environment. It's worse for your health. And, you know, honestly, it perpetuates the sale of products that have no business in the marketplace. And that's like the the fake meats. It's a whole world unpacked there. That's for sure. Yeah, I kind of went off on a tangent. So then what would you say is more ideal than a vegan diet? You know, that's a great question. I'm calling it the regenerative diet. And what we really recognize is that everything is cyclical. Modern technology has given us the ability to eat foods in seasons that those foods don't grow. And so based off of that, we need to get back to a diet that is cyclical with the seasons. We need to follow the animals through the land. We need to, you know, you can't eat cow every single day. But what we find is, is that if ruminant animals like a cow or herds of cows walk through the lands, well, there, there's going to be other animals that walk behind them and eat some of the stuff that comes behind that. So chickens, sheep, you know, pigs, all of these things. So a regenerative diet really is a diet that I've kind of been working on for a while, which is a combination of the health benefits of regenerative based agriculture paired with the environmental benefits of regenerative based agriculture and then marrying those two together in a platform that allows us to eat cyclically with what grows in season and the proteins that we should be eating for the best health benefit. We have a lot to talk about this with regenerative agriculture and the benefits of that, but we truly believe that if you are looking for the benefits of environmental 
help and change. And if those are your concerns, you know, to change your diet, mm-hmm. regenerative is definitely the way to go. And we need to do another podcast on that. We do. Yeah. And, and, and I, I want to leave people with the understanding that, you know, as we unpack regenerative, we're going to talk a lot about that with some exciting things that we've been working on recently. But regenerative really is the only way for us to undo climate change, you know, carbon sequestration, you know, desertification, all the things that we're experiencing in climate change can be reversed through regenerative agriculture. And the challenge that we have with that, as it pertains to the topic of veganism, is is that the only way to regeneratively farm or regeneratively, you know, work the land is with ruminant animals. So if we know that animals play an integral part in the reversal of climate change, then what do we do with those animals if we're not going to eat them? To that extent, you need large herds of cows or buffalo or things going across land. Are we just going to march them off into the Pacific Ocean? Well, no, we can't do that. So there has to be a conversation about animals' place in reversal of climate change, but then also animals' place in true optimal health based off of grass-fed, grass-finished, pasture-raised using regenerative practices. Love it. Those are all the questions I had. Cool. Well, look, you know, we're, we're going to talk a lot more about this. And again, super excited to meet with Darren on this one, because I think, again, I, I, I'm fine with the ethical debate. And in my issues, if you want to be a vegan, be a vegan. Not a problem, right? Like there, there is an intrinsic conversation that needs to be had about the ethics of eating animals. And especially a lot of the way that the animals are kept now. I understand that. It leaves for more meat for us, too. It does. <laughs> but in my opinion, I believe that the science ultimately leads us down the path of, of needing to be more omnivores and not herbivores. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another rapid fire edition of the Complete Human Podcast with your host, Jana Breslin, and Evan DeBarkle. See you next time. Bye, everyone.